Welcome to Gateway Church's podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, so we are in a, uh, a, a series called Simplify. And if you think about it, uh, simplify comes from the word simple. Now, if I asked you to describe your life, many of you would not use the word simple. As a matter of fact, you would use the antonym of the word, which is complicated or busy or hectic, and that's the way it is. Uh, I, though, uh, am a simple person. God allows me to take complicated theological issues and make them simple, and you think I do this great job teaching, but the reason I do it is because I can't understand it unless I make it simple. So I have to make it simple for me. You know, the number one comment I, get, I hear when I'm out and I get to meet people is they will say to me, our children like to listen to you. Well, it's because we're on the same level. <laughs> so I'm just a, a, a simple guy. I, I, I can only do one thing at once. My wife knows that. If I'm, you know, doing something, I, I, I can just do one thing. I literally, uh, a, a few months ago when my daughter Elaine was here, we were going over her message and she her phone went off, she picked it up, and, and she, she was talking. She said, and then I'm gonna go to Matthew, and then I'm gonna be talking. When I'm in Matthew, I'm gonna be talking. I don't know if they have a, 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 a thumb teaching class to be able to text that fast. Unbelievable, and she's telling me, she's Matthew, and then she put her phone back down a little while later. She said, and then I'll be over in Luke and on two, and the phone went off, and so she did this again. I said, well, what did you just do? She said, well, I had one text that they were wondering how many communion cups to order for this weekend, and then I had another text about, you know, we need to order some more baptismal robes, and I told them how many do that. She can do like 107 things at once. I can't do that. Uh, uh, when, when I was growing up, it was just, I could do, it was just one thing at once. I mean, that's, that's just, for me, that's just kind of the, the way I was. I, I remember trying to juggle. And um, I, I couldn't do it. I, I finally, I did learn how to juggle one ball. <laughs> and so I could just juggle that one ball unless a bird flew by and I got distracted, you know. <laughs> I did do something that I thought, this is kind of interesting when I think about one, that I could only do one thing at once. I learned how to ride a unicycle. <laughs> it has one tire. So I, I don't know, uh, that, that's just the way I am. Okay, so, so, but here we're told in Scripture to simplify our lives and we're told what the Apostle Paul was afraid of, his fear. And I read it to you out of another version, New American Standard last week. I'm gonna read it out of New King James this week. 2 Corinthians 11:3. but I fear, I fear. This is Paul speaking lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve, and we talked about how did he do it last weekend, by his craftiness, his sophisticated trickery, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity, and last week, Newman said the simplicity of devotion. So we talked about the enemy of devotion. So we're gonna talk this week about the secret of Simplicity. 
all right? And even in the first point, I'm going to give it to you, but then we're just going to get simpler and simpler through the message, all right? So here's number one. The secret of simplicity is love. That's why he said the simplicity of devotion to Christ. The secret of simplicity is love. Now, there are 1,189 chapters in the Bible, uh, 31,103 verses in the Bible, and around 800,000 words in the Bible, about 620,000 in the Old Testament, about 180-something, maybe 189,000. I'd have to go back and count. But anyway, in the New Testament, but about 800,000 words. 800,000 words. And Jesus boiled the whole Bible down to one word. And I'll show it to you, all right? Matthew 22, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. That's the last person you won't ask in your question. <laughs> Except Jesus, he can handle it. So, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, I know many of you, I know the 10 commandments, but there were 613 commandments in the law. So there, there are the 10 commandments, but there are 613 commandments. Jesus said to him, you shall love. Love. He boils the whole Bible down to one word. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall, you want to just say that out loud? Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, this is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, Matthew 22, 40, spoken by Jesus, the author, finish of our faith, the word of God himself, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, it's important to understand that uh, the law refers to the first five books of the Old Testament and the prophets refer to the other books, the major and minor prophets, and then some would say called the Psalms, put that in a, another category, and that's fine, but that's the way they referred to the Bible, the law and the prophets. And I, I don't think we think about this, but when Jesus was talking right then, and when, when the epistles were being written, okay, just stay with me on this, all right? Remember I told you that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of well-known for making simple statements that are smart? They didn't have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. So every time Jesus quotes the scriptures, he's quoting the Old Testament. Every time. Every time Paul quotes the scripture, when he says, as the scripture says, as the scripture says, as the scripture says, he's quoting the old. Now, I believe in the inspiration of the New Testament. I believe the whole Bible is inspired. I believe that, old and new, obviously. I'm just simply saying that Jesus at that time is saying you can sum up the whole Bible because that's the only Bible they had when he made that statement. You can, you can sum it all up with just these two commandments, love God and love people, which that would be one word, love. Love God and love people. The 10 commandments, I've told you before, are divided into two categories. The first four have to do with loving God. The last six have to do with loving people. 
summed up in those two commandments. Love God and love people. See, Satan's goal is to get us focused on doing rather than being. And I would like to remind you that you are not a human doing. You're a human being. You say, so, so what does that mean? Because he said, you shall love the Lord God and you shall love your neighbors yourself. The reason I'm saying that is, is because you can't do that without Christ. But you can be that. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, love, joy, peace, okay. Long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temper, faith, self-control, all that, okay, okay. But the fruit of the Spirit, listen, it doesn't say the fruit of Robert. Robert's just the tree. I don't produce love. God produces love. So when I'm telling you this, I'm not telling you something you need to do. I'm telling, some, I'm telling you someone you need to know. And his name is Jesus. And he is love. And we are so busy today. We, this is what Paul, this is what Paul said. This just is just, I'm eating up with this. That Paul said, I'm afraid of one thing. That you get away from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. And you know who's going to try to get you away from it? Satan is. And he's going to do it the same way he did it with Eve. Think about it today. I mean, first of all, if you have a job, your life's complicated. If you're married, it's more complicated. If you have children, you're done. <laughs> I mean, you've got soccer and football and dance and, and, and you know, volleyball and, and ballet and piano, and that's just one week. <laughs> and sometimes just one day. And if you, get, if you have five or six kids, I have no clue how you do it. Everybody's got to go somewhere. Your job, though, is not to be a chauffeur, even though you think it is at this time. Your job is just to love God and love others. That's it. It's just summed up. It's just so cool. So I said the secret of simplicity is love, but I'm going to keep boiling it down. You say, okay, the secret of simplicity is love, so what's the secret of love? So point two is the secret of love is commitment. That's the secret of love. If you want to love God, you stay committed. Matter of fact, Jesus even said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know what he was saying? Stay committed. If you love me, be committed. So the secret of love is commitment. And yet, all the movies that we see focus on falling in love. And then you can fall out of love. As a matter of fact, I, I, can, I can tell you every uh, romance comedy, every love story, the plot is they fall in love, they fall out of love, then they fall back in love. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going to happen. So I can sleep during the middle of them because <laughs> I know what's going to happen. But all Hollywood is doing is describing the feelings 
that you have when you begin to make a commitment to someone. That's what falling in love is. When you, if someone asks you to uh, come to uh, a function at church with them, okay? So we're gonna keep this on the up and up. We're not gonna go dancing or anything else right now, all right? We're going to, they ask you to go to a function at church. And so you go. You make a commitment to go. And you spend some time talking to them and they have similar interests, similar likes, they have good character. And so then they ask you to go to another function at church where just everything's going to be at church, all these dates, okay? They're all at church, okay? And you go, so you make another commitment. You commit. And what happens is the more you commit, the more you love. You follow me? And then when you get married, you just make another commitment. You fall more in love. You, you need to know, by the way, um, devote. We talked last week. He said the simplicity of devotion to Christ. Now, I can, I can figure out uh, the meanings of just about any word simply by going to the root word. And a lot of people just don't do this. I don't know why. I, don't, I think it's like the most simplest thing in the world to do. Like simplicity, the word would be simple, okay. But devote, what's, do you know what the root of devote is? Vote. That's the root. But people don't even know what vote means. I'm telling you, y'all go vote. And we don't know what it means. You know what vote means? It means vow. Comes from a Latin word, batum, bottom. It's one batum, I think is the way they say it. Bottom. Uh, it, it just means vow. You, you see, when you vote for a referendum or a candidate, you're vowing to support that candidate or that referendum. It's a vow. So here's what he's saying I'm, I'm afraid that the serpent's gonna deceive you. And you get away from being simply committed to Jesus Christ. You made a vow. I just want you to keep that vow. But by the way, that's the reason that they put vows in wedding ceremonies. Because they discovered a long time ago that the only way you'd ever stay in love is if you kept a commitment. And, and you probably never even thought about it, but the vows are not that romantic. Basically, you say, I promise to stay committed to you if you get sick, poor, and make my life worse. <laughs> in the on Thursday vows, sickness and in health, richer or poor, better or worse. I was counseling with a couple one time, and I said, so let me get this straight. You feel like that since you've been married, your life has become worse. He said, yeah, I said, that's what you signed up for. I think this is the reason people say to me now, we'd like to write our own vows. <laughs> I uh, was counseling with a young man in the church when the church was really small, about 100 people probably, and um, his fiance had broken up with him. And so he's heartbroken, you know. And so uh, he and I were talking, and I, I was meeting with him, and I said to him, hey, this is the best thing that could have ever happened. 
And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, she, do, she do, doesn't love you. Because if she loved you, she would have stayed committed to you. And what's great is that you love her, you were committed to her. But I said, how long have y'all been dating? She, he said, about a year. I said, this is wonderful. I said, what if you'd been married for 10 or 20? Your love would have grown because your commitment would have grown and your heart would have been more broken. And let me give you better news because many people have gone through something like this, but please let me give you really good news. The bad news is it takes two people to make a marriage work, but the good news is Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. So if you've had your heart broken, he can heal your broken heart. And so I told him, I said, listen, it just means God has someone good for you that's going to be committed to you. And so the next week we got together again to meet, and he said, you know, he said, God spoke to me. Just like, just like what you said, basically. He said, I was sitting in church, and during worship, he said, I was just worshiping God. He said, I looked over and I saw this older couple in our church, and you know, he had his left hand up, she had her right hand up, and in the middle they were holding hands. And he said, the Lord said to me, that's what I want for you. And I've got someone just like that picked out for you that you're gonna be able to grow old with. And so I thought, see, that's wonderful. And then I thought about it, so we were only about like 100 people again, remember? We only had one older couple in our church. <laughs> and and I, we had just started the church. I was 38 when I started the church, so I, I'm like 39 years old, you know? maybe 40 at that time. And so I said to him, because I knew this old this couple, they were in their 70s. They were the only people we had, you know, in their over 70, you know. So I said, hey, was it this couple? Because everybody knew, everybody, you know. We, only, we were like a big life group when we started, you know. So I said, so was it this couple that you saw when you said you saw an older couple? He said, oh, not that old. I mean, someone your age. So I uh, uh, kicked him out of the church. But anyway, (laughs) no, you know what's funny? It's now he's in his 40s, so you're old. (laughs) So there's this love story in the Bible. And let me just, it's between uh, a man named Boaz and a woman named Ruth. The book's named Ruth, okay? So it's, it's easy to remember. But Boaz falls in love with her. Like we say, he fell in love. But do you know why? Because he tells her why. She asked him, why are you even taking notice of me? Let me show you the answer. Ruth 2, verse 10. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Okay, here's what he said. He was saying, you're a woman of commitment. And that's the kind of person I want to be married to. I want to be married to someone that I can commit my life to and that will commit her life to me. And I have heard, it's been fully reported to me, that you made a commitment to your mother-in-law. As a matter of fact, did you know that her commitment to her mother-in-law, this is, she, she marries, you know, this man, and then he dies. And so 
Naomi then says to her, just go back to your own country now. And she says, no. And she says this, wherever you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And then this is what she says, till death do us part. And that got in the wedding vows. She was basically saying, I'm committed to you. Boaz is looking for a wife. And he says, you know what I want? I want someone committed. I want someone who's committed. So, you know, I got saved nine months after Debbie and I got married, but I started trying to get my life right with God when I was 16. And um, so I, I, the guy that uh, helped me start to get my life right with God was actually James Robinson's best man in his wedding. And he's the one that introduced Debbie and me to James and Betty before we even got married. But he saw this gift in me, so he was helping, trying to get me to, you know, get right with God. And he said, you, you need to, um, uh, he was taught, he was mentoring, and he said, you need to start, you need to, um, he was, I remember him thinking, how do I say this? He said, you need to date um, some better girls. <laughs> and I thought, the girls I'm dating are pretty good, you know, so I, I because I, I was lost. You gotta remember, I was lost, okay? Okay, I was lost. And he said, no, 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 I mean, you need to date a good girl. You need to date a girl you wanna be married to. You know, you need to, you need to. And so I remember looking around the church and there, there, were, there were good girls and Debbie was one of them and she was the most beautiful one there, obviously of all the good girls. And so I, I asked her out for a date and, uh, 15, 20 years after we'd been married, I remember asking Edra because I didn't have a reputation as being a good boy, you know. And I said to Edra, her mom, I said, why, why in the world did you let your daughter ever go out with me? <laughs> and this is what she said. See, my mother's mother grew up. I mean, she lived in our home when I was growing up. We took her in. And my, she said, this is why. Because during choir practice, when your mother and I were in choir, your father would bring your mother's mother, his mother-in-law in and set her down and hold her hand and make sure she was seated and take care of her. And then he would go do his things. He did all sorts of things in the church, you know, helping run the sound and being a deacon and all these different things. And then he would come and get her afterwards and take her he said, she said, I watched your father and I thought, there's got to be something way down deep that's good in him. <laughs> but here's what she did. She actually saw how my father treated his mother-in-law and I think she thought maybe he'll treat me good. <laughs> when, okay, so anyway, hopefully I am treating you good. Okay, all right. So, so the secret of Simplicity is love. The secret of love is commitment. So what's the secret of commitment? Here's point number three. The secret of commitment is choice. Now, this is extremely important, and I'm gonna get a little theological in it. One of the number one theological questions that pastors are asked is why did God even put the knowledge of the tree of good and evil in the garden? As if God had done something wrong and as if God was setting them up for failure, kind of judging God. 
And it's exactly opposite again. Same reason I talked last week why he drove them out once they ate from it because they were in a fallen state. He didn't want them to live forever in that fallen state. So why did he even put two trees in the midst of the garden? The tree of life and the tree of death, in essence. Why did he do that? Here's why. Because you can't have love if you don't have choice. Robots can't love. God didn't want robots. He could have created you without a will and without a choice. But he wanted you to know love. If you didn't have a choice, you wouldn't know love. You wouldn't know what it's like to be loved or to be loved or to love someone else. You wouldn't know. You would never know. You have to have choice to have love. This, this, you, you, have to under, you have to get this. So what we're talking about here is to be simplify your life, and, and I'm, I'm getting it down just very simply for you. Here's how you simplify your life. You just choose to love God. And when you choose to love him, then you're going to commit to him. And when you commit to him, then your life's going to be simplified. It's that simple. It's that simple. Again, I talked about uh, Debbie, and we got married. I was 18 when we got married. And so um, it was after my freshman year of college. I graduated high school at 17, and we dated our junior, senior year of high school, and then freshman year of college, and then we got married. So I was 18 years old. And, um, but and not, short, not long after we got uh, married, then we moved to Dallas. And uh, I started meeting people. We started meeting people our age, of course, 19, 20, 21, 22, that they weren't married yet. And we started meeting some more successful people. And all of a sudden, this insecurity came out in me because we were meeting these men who were smarter than I, more talented, uh, more gifted, better looking, richer, better jobs. And I remember thinking, I know Debbie chose me. You know, we grew up in a smaller town. I know she chose me then, but there were only three choices. (laughs) And the other two didn't have jobs. But now she's meeting better looking, nicer, kinder. I wasn't kind. I was still growing in my relationship with the Lord. I didn't have kindness. I I didn't have the fruits of the Spirit. And and I wasn't successful. And I just just thought, she's meeting these men. She's going to figure out that she's got other choices. And it, it scared me to death. And we, we were talking one time because I was so, I was so jealous. If, if she talked, if she just, you know, if another man was just saying, if they were just having a conversation across the room at a get-together or something, I'm just I'm saying, what was he talking to you about? You know, I was just, and she just had to say to me, you, you have to understand, I love you. I love you. Now, here's why she loved me. Because she chose to make a commitment to me. You follow me? And I still didn't understand it then. I've had to grow in that and to, to finally figure out, I know, I know she loves me because she's made thousands of choices over the years to stay committed. You have to, you have to catch this. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay, 
Why would he say don't love the world if love isn't a choice? See, this thing about I just, I just fell in love with it. Yeah, let me ask you this. Anyone here, anyone ever made an impulse purchase? Okay, yeah, all of you. And this is what we say. I'm, I, just, I just fell in love with it. No, you didn't. You made a commitment to it. And now you owe Visa more money than you can pay. Because <laughs> you made a commitment. And you wish you could go back on your commitment. And you might even wear it and keep the tag on it so you can take it back. <laughs> I'm, I just want to help you. You say, I want to simplify my life. Okay. Just choose to love God and love other people. It's, it's that simple. Now, you may have to take some weights off your board. I talked about stress one time. You may have to do some things. I understand there are other things. You may need to see a counselor. You may need to work through some emotional health issues that you have, some mental health issues that you might have. You may have to work through some things with your childhood. But if you make a choice to love God, you'll simplify your life. I'm going to tell you another, one more story about uh, Debbie. When we, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been around where we didn't have cell phones. You know, we didn't have cell phones growing up. And then cell phones came out, and the only people had them were the people that could mount them in their car. They were mounted in the car. And then they came out with, the, I want to see if any of you remember this, bag phones. Did anyone here have a bag phone? Can I look at the, Yeah, I had one too. Carry bag made me feel so important. See, my, my phone. My phone. Yeah, they carry us huge. They weighed about 40 pounds. And then they came out with the walkie-talkie Motorola's. Remember those? Huge. And then they came out with the Star Trek beam me up Scotty phone. Just flip it open. Look how cool I am. I got a flip phone. And so by then, you know, I, so I got Debbie this phone, okay? Well, she was running the women's ministry at the church and, and you know, and then she would go to lunch with, you know, some ladies or our team or whatever. But I got offended because she wouldn't answer her phone. Now, she didn't, she didn't like to keep it on ring because she'd be in a meeting, you know, and, um, and then, or she'd be at, at lunch with her, women's team or something, you know, and so she put it on vibrate. Here's the difference that I had to figure out, but it took me a while to figure it out. Men, we, we carry our phones in our pocket, right? Vibrates, we feel it. Women carry their phones in their purse. So they don't know. So she, she again, we're in our early 40s, okay? I'm still working through all these insecurities. So I'd call, she wouldn't answer. And I just got more and more insecure, more and more rejected, angrier. And I just think, well, you know, if you don't care enough to answer your phone, I don't care enough to leave a voicemail. <laughs> and if you don't care enough to answer your phone when I call, I don't care enough to answer my phone when you call. I mean, I just started getting offended, very offended. She just, she doesn't, she doesn't love me. She doesn't answer the phone. And so we finally talked about it. She said, I, I just don't hear it. But when she realized that it was important to me, she would take her phone out and set it on the table in the women's team meeting, and she would say, and I just want you to know something. If, if Robert calls me, I'm answering this phone. 
And I'm not answering it because I'm the women's pastor and because he's the senior pastor. I'm answering it because he's the love of my life. He's much more important to me than all of you. And I just met with a pastor this last week, flew in from California just so he could meet with me for a couple of hours. And I do the same thing this day, and my team can tell you I do the same thing. I put the phone right there, and I say to them, I say to my team, and I said to this pastor, I just want you to know, if Debbie calls, I'm answering this phone. And can I tell you why? It's because we're committed. We're, she is more important than any meeting that I'm going to be in. And here's the wonderful thing. Even getting married at 18 and me not even knowing Christ then and all the silliness that I've told you that I've gone through, the insecurities and the inferiorities, this week, this week is our 43rd wedding anniversary. This week. Love is not that hard. It's just choosing to make a commitment to not get offended over the little things or the big things. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The whole Bible, Jesus said, summed up in just two commandments. Love God and love other people. Love God and love people. I want you to do just like we do every weekend. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment. Just say, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment. And he may answer you right now or he might answer you Tuesday in your quiet time or some other time or just driving down the road. And you might think, I'm going to listen to that message again. And, and the Holy Spirit speaks something to you. Just let the Lord speak to you because we've got the most incredible apostle that wrote a third of the New Testament saying, let me tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that in the same way the serpent deceived Eve, your minds would be drawn away, corrupted from the simplicity of devotion to Christ. It's so simple to love Jesus. And that is, you just choose to keep your commitment to him. Lord, I pray for all of us that when the big choices come up and when the little choices come up, we're gonna choose to stay committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 71010 or visit gatewaypeople.com. We hope you have a great week.